0: Welcome to your typical show. protagonist. He's Kai. I'm Kels, and today we're talking about Blue Submarine Number Six. First
1: off, Kai, how you doing? I'm I'm doing, man. I may not have phone service, but I got. I don't know. I'm I'm here. You're not stuck in a po- post-apocalyptic
0: world where everything is flooded and you're fighting for the like survival of the human race against beastlings. So bubble. No. Okay. Bubble was bubbles. And this unnamable force. This had like actual like anthropomorphic beasts.
1: Yeah. But and, yeah, like, so like bubbles. Yeah.
0: <laughs> cool. So so we're talking about Blue Submarine Number Six. Uh the four episode OVA done by Gonzo. Of course, adapted from the post apocalyptic manga series, written and illustrated by Satoru Ozawa. Uh published initially back then uh sixty seven. You know, we're taking it
1: back in the day. Yeah, I know it's wild that this was like a manga first. And um just the art in the manga was very you know, of course it's very like astro boyish type stuff. Um and the fact that Satoru still alive and kicking at 86 like shout out to that
0: yeah man and of course in you know the the mid to late 90s this had a kind of a redo manga wise kind of a a re-release modernization type vibe which just kind of leads us into the OVA uh but you know yeah definitely to have this be a story that was made 50 years ago to then turn around and be reproduced and it really fit the genre and where where kind of sci-fi and and mech anime was at the time right on the cusp of incredibly well-drawn animation uh narrative stories being at this kind of place where we can tell really intense post-apocalyptic dramas and also, the introduction of like new three d animation was kind of crazy to watch,
1: yeah, I mean, we had c g i throughout the Wahoo on this, and this was like nineteen ninety eight granted we had c g i and other things, but this was like the first um semblance of like the blocky you know kind of unrefined c g i in terms of like the in the promorphic beast and like the like uh, submarine and all that type of stuff. So it was very interesting. Studio
0: Gonzo walked. So Studio Orange could run.
1: Yes, that's very profound. Because um, Studio Orange kills it. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, Beastars, Land of the Lustrous, the new... Um, oh, my God. Trigun. Yeah, the new Trigun remake. But even doing...
0: Even doing 3D work as far back as 2006 with Black Lagoon, with the cars and the the hindies and
1: everything else. Yes, the bullets. Like shout out to Black Lagoon. Um, we'll catch that Thursday on our other podcast content breaker flex plug. Um, so how how do you feel
0: about the OVA format? This kind of video format where uh, the studio takes a bunch of money and makes a limited number of episodes with really high polish, really quality production value.
1: So I'm gonna be real with you. I really kind of mess with OVAs. Um, I feel like OVAs are becoming like more and more like you know sought after, if that makes sense. Um, because there's some stories I guess you can tell in that kind of like. Special OVA and ONA. Because um, even looking at, back at Fully Cooley, uh, way back in 2000, that's considered an OVA. And then we have things like, you know, um, like Future Diaries Readout, which was the true end to Future Diaries, which was <laughs> an OVA um, episode, like whatever, that I'm not sure how many people watched. And but I guess I I personally
0: would would delineate between the two. Like there's OVAs like uh, like you said, fully Cooly, Gunbuster, uh, you know the one we are talking about here, Blue Submarine Number Six, that are wholly independent stories that have no yeah. other anime an- uh, animation release other than this. And then you have others where OVAs are like additional episodes associated with an like a whole s- like fully animated series.
1: Yeah, so, like, overall, are you asking how I feel about, like, just um, standalone OVAs or, like, sequential OVAs or OVAs in general? Tell me how you feel about shows
0: like this, and then tell me how you feel about adding on an additional, like, non-canon or non-canonical episode to, like, an existing franchise.
1: Okay, so OVAs like this, I really gel with, like you said, like, the Gunbusters, the Fully Coolies um the um submarine number sixes. I really mess with them because I feel like they give like that short glimpse of like a good time like I could get the whole you know plot in two hours so I'm like cool let's go let's do that um interesting story but there are things that like they take you lose from having just like an OVA because there's certain sort of time constraints and trying to fit things in there so I definitely definitely feel like, there are pros and cons to these type of OVAs. But then we switch over to the sequential OVAs where, like I said, you got like Noragami's OVAs are like very like prominent in my mind because we got a lot of content in there, especially um, with Bishomon and things like that. that add it to it, which I really messed with. Um, same thing with Kobayashi's Dragon Maid and, you know, just some of the, those are ones that I prefer. More so of like stuff that's kinda like left out of the series that I wish they could have added in there. So I feel like those are my favorite OVAs because they're like surprised add-ons. But OVAs in general are just kinda like something I gel with because I feel like they are um they're a good way to, you know, continue a project or add to it without having to go through all the long hauls and twists and turns of the industry to get something out.
0: Yeah, and and oftentimes studio treat them as experiments, as an opportunity for animators to flex their skills, to test out two new techniques, or really just a chance to make something fun that otherwise couldn't be put on broadcast television or uh, couldn't fit time constraints. So yeah, yeah. No, I I'm I'm glad like this doesn't really exist in in any other kind of broadcast format especially not in the west you know i don't you know maybe when i think of things that are not necessarily like in the full story i think of like deleted scenes from movies or blooper reels but nothing that's this well formulated or this like round of a thought and that i really do enjoy ovas uh like you had described yeah. So. Now, this is coming out of Studio Gonzo, which was founded in in uh, September of 1992 from former Gynax members, because of course, a lot of things come from Gynax, mm-hmm. um, and you you kind of feel it in both the storytelling and the art style and. The narrative selection with uh, Blue Submarine Number Six, kind of this post-apocalyptic world, humans fighting to continue to exist, um, feels very Evangelion. But also, you had mentioned it feels very much like Bubble, which is a more modern take on this post-apocalyptic vibe. But from the fo- from the storytelling format of uh, The Little Mermaid, right? Yeah. So, how do you feel about this kind of humans in a drowned world, just kind of
1: keeping their head above water? Um, I feel like it's very. I feel like it does a good job of encapsulating of how it might be like realistically. A lot of the times when you jump into like anime and post apocalyptic things, there's always that bit of like things that feel like unreal um like i don't see how we would do that or how we would do this but it makes sense to go and recruit like the best fighters from um you know like the military force and everything and you know you just have people who are fighting for their cause like um kino who's just like wants her like she lost her family to the monsters and she just joined for revenge like i imagine there will be a lot of people to do that and then when you got like our boy tetsu who was a former grandpa's pilot and he was just kind of involved in a bunch of stuff. And he was like, I'm kind of done with it. So he has to get road back in and, you know, like you got things like, like that, which are believable. But then you got like, um, our boy, not our boy, but, um, Zendike who just like you, that's the part that's like, you know, I really don't feel like anybody would be doing that, but just kind of like, because you find out later, his like intentions are not just to watch the world burn, but more so he wanted to like have humanity live alongside these animals. Like, I'm not really sure how he thought that would work. Um, well, cut. it's a whole
0: deal, man, and this is that that kind of Evangelion depth of plot where uh, Zorndike is like. I was so tired of just doing what I was supposed to be doing. So then I drowned the world and I made some kind of creature, which we find out aren't like, right? They're like bio mutants and not like creatures that are like alien and found and like he's helping continue to exist. this is more like human manipulation in the universe
1: yeah genetics like because i think zerg or zerg whatever um its name is or verg is a mixture of like a bear um a fish and a human i believe or like a shark Um, or something that's a great question i got very much shark vibes yeah i know his shark is said that is in there because he talks about the way he fights and everything I thought he had like a bear or something, or maybe I just like inferred that he had a bear or something. But I know he was at least spliced with human genes and a shark. And I thought there was another thing in there.
0: I don't know, but I got bear vi- or I got a uh, shark vibes, and and in this we f- we find out this whole crazy side story, or more more of a backstory. There are no side stories in a four episode OVA. Um, where. Tetsu is off on an adventure with one of his good friends, and gets him kind of lost at sea, and and he's become a POW of the of the Zen uh, Zerndike group. And then later on, we find out he's been like become a mutant when he comes back to the humans on the boat.
1: Yeah, and it's just like, oh, so that's how this whole thing works yeah and then, like the whole referring to him as like papa thing it's kinda kind of weird, but yes, it is very weird like and uh, it was just like a huge thing, and then when we go and we see um kind of just like the views and constraints of like what put like what I would like to have seen was more of like Van Dyke's like reasoning for doing this. I felt like it was kind of abrupt, and that's kind of something we lost out by this being an OVA, instead so like a full series. I feel like I feel like it wasn't really explained why he was so done with humanity. Uh, yes,
0: and I personally think that's a, a a a symptom of the same reason. I really do enjoy this kind of format, is because in you know particularly sci-fi and sci-fi we enjoy, um, there is so much left. Unexplained, like what is the rest of the crew's name? You know, this is not a Shonen show where we get like time spent with every single character because we have to pad a runtime, we have to meet an episode count. This is the exact opposite of that. So, like, I really enjoy knowing that there's a, a navigational submarine man that has a like a bald head and a long ponytail. Whose name I am never gonna remember because yeah. I don't think I ever heard it no that's facts. but like like his actions and his personality and character of like doing in the show I'll remember that and my time with this kind of uh, material uh, but that exact same vibe does leave these kind of missing explanations so in in some of the stuff we're looking for like like the motivation behind uh, Zorn Dyke's cause for all of this. All we really get is some kind of weird tree made out of fish people and, like, him him talking about his family having died and him going just off the rails. And it's like, that's not good enough for us to feel like you can be justified from, I don't know, flooding the world.
1: Yeah, like, that's no justification there at all so it's something that i really kind of kind of wish we had more of that explanation just because that is such like a big drastic thing to do but also like if you've watched enough anime and everything you understand like the evil guy gonna be evil so it doesn't really like necessarily like matter i guess um but i do like the vibe of it all honestly it's very like that you know early 2000s like height of tsunami type shit vibes that i just really mess with um even though it's like i think that's when this debuted in america was on toonami i believe i found that out interestingly it looks like it uh made its tv debut in the u.s
0: on toonami's block from uh, november 6 2000 to november 9th so it looks like probably one episode a night yeah um which you know hey Look at Tsunami bringing over whatever they can get a hold of, and being pioneers.
1: Yeah, and that's what they've always done. And like, super shout out to Tsunami for being able to do that. Um, I think that's like the dopest stuff. Um, that tsunami like such such a way for like a niche and just people in general to have like the stuff.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, being a a broadcast platform to to bring this kind of content to an audience yeah no it's like it's like four kids for us you know yeah um, man if four kids wasn't wrong for everything they did to cutting it up Mm -hmm. at least they got it to us in some manner
1: yeah i yeah so just shout out to the distribution and just how hard it was to get things in the 2000s like you new anime watchers have no idea, like, how easy you have it. Like, I tell Zach all the time. He's like, oh, I just watch 8s and, you know, and things like that. I was like, bruh, you don't even know. There was, like, no rating system back then. You just got what you got, and you were hype Man. about it. And and you and I are so young. We don't even know the days of, like,
0: trading VHS tapes. Like, yeah. We don't know what it's like before it was on broadcast television.
1: That's, <laughs> that's, that's wild. Yeah, my older siblings, I remember, like, them having, like, Uh, Sailor Moon in like Yu Yu Hakusho and Astro Boy and Cyborg Stranger 9 on VHS. And I would just be like rewinding them to watch them after they finished them. But like just, we got to the era of like, like you said, broadcast where we just watched (laughs) what was ever on Toonami and not knowing half the stuff we were watching was even anime. Yeah, which is crazy, man.
0: Now, one thing I've got to give big ups to uh, Blue Submarine number six, is I absolutely loved the jazzy-ass soundtrack.
1: Yes. The soundtrack was such a banger. Um, That was one thing that I felt like for sure that um, I had to give more credit to was them. Like, the intro was fire. Um, Not visually, but, you know, (laughs) musically, (laughs) it was fire. And then, like, kind of homegirl, Mucho's, like, whole song when she was, like, swimming and stuff was a vibe as well. Um. I really messed with that, and I really felt like it was a good. Um, it went really well with the whole overall arcing of the story. Like it fit really well in terms of um, just kind of how everything flowed. Honestly, I see what you did there. Flowed. Yeah, um, I'm make a bunch of puns by accident.
0: It it the the jazz really reminded me of uh, Big O, kind of loud, bombastic and and theme setting. Like this is a pivotal moment you are witnessing. Like submarines blasting submarines in like whale dudes just like shooting back and forth at each other. Big underwater space battles. And they have a screaming saxophone over the top of it. It was like, oh shit.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was wild on that, I was like, okay, yeah, like the saxophones, it was I was really here for the musicality of this, like, in. I feel, I don't know, I feel like that was something that really drove it for me, like, and that was, like, such a strong trait of the early 2000s, and, like, late 90s was the music, like, you could have, like, a whole shitty weird plot, but you know that music was gonna be on point. (laughs) And the voice acting, too, was something that was, like, yeah. It was so so much of a sign of the times that I just couldn't help but love it, and it was pretty spot on. Now speaking of plot,
0: how did you feel about kind of the plot overall? We've touched on some some themes, we've touched on some characters, not not entirely about every character. We'll get to it, but how did you feel about the plot overall? Just kind of underwater um, dudes have to go save the human race with other people who are fighting against them but are also could become friends
1: i mean generic you know it was a generic plot, if i'm being honest but it was also in the terms of like it may have been generic now but it was such an og type thing it could have been revolutionary for the time so it's kind of hard for me to say since i didn't witness it in real time but i will say i did like the kind of twist that it had where it was like when uh, miami was like Yo, they're evil. They attacked us first. And Zordendike was like, are they? And she's like, but they attacked me first. But, you know, they killed my, like, family. And, like, when we saw Ferg just kind of walk away at the end into, like, the ocean and walk away from our dude Tetsu, it was it was kind of crazy. Like, because I expected, like, there to be kind of like a fallout of, like, you know, one side has to be destroyed and that's not what it was. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, that's interesting um so i kind of messed with that i felt like that plot was a little bit like it was a little bit the same but also enough difference to kind of have that like okay moment so like it was really some some other shows that come to
0: mind with this same kind of vibe not necessarily setting but vibe
1: uh it's like Gurren logan yeah and but which is of course another guy next show. Yeah, yeah, and I I know what's like kind of crazy. We had talked about this earlier, um, before we got on, um, air or recording, whatever the fuck this is called, um, about how I brought up Evangelion. You remember like three point one point Uh, did you know the yeah. director of this also worked on Evangelion three one point? What? Yeah, I he was deeper. Yeah, so if you go and, like, look at, um, you know, our boy Mahiro um, Madea, the director, also, you know, he was the art design and concept art director for 3.0 plus 1.0, also SSSS Gridman and, you know, um, Kill the Kill. So I was like, that's why I got that, like, familiar feel. And he also worked on Gunbuster, too. Um, oh, yeah. He was a key animator for that, so his influence has been felt throughout a lot of, like, anime that we both enjoy, and I felt like that's where I kind of got that reminiscent feel from, um, so I'd definitely say his plot, or the plot and the way, like, the direction of it, um, had me, that's why it reminded me of it, because those things were technically inspired by this, I guess, if we're talking about how things work i could see it but yeah you said you mess with the plot too you said
0: i mean it's it's a fine plot Mm -hmm. it kind of gives me the it it gives the opportunity for crazy sci-fi like themes yeah so i'm kind of glad that this wasn't like a like what we've seen with bubble where it was i mean this could very well have been bubble right so let's talk about that for a minute Uh, Bubble being the story of The Little Mermaid, but from a post-apocalyptic Japan where the bubbles are coming to kill humanity and flood the Earth, but one gains sentience and becomes friends with a dude, and then we get an adventure. This could very well have been that. There There were themes of the relationship between Fish Girl... And our uh, our badass protagonist. Yeah. It, it could have very well have been the Little Mermaid story. But I'm kind of glad that this one didn't go that way. I really enjoy the, the opportunity that plots like this set. The challenges between uh, old thinking and new thinking. And the conflict of those. And then not having a satisfied resolution, right? Because we didn't get a winner. Just everybody didn't die. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe the melancholy resonates with me.
1: I agree. I agree. Um, Like, I, I agree. I feel like it's always more of a... More of a satisfying thing when you see definites happen. And like we didn't really see any definites in this ending. Um but we saw like hurt because I mean, like, you know, seeing the fish girl kinda comfort um Verg which was kinda unexpected, I'm not gonna lie. Um, especially after all that, you're like, Yeah, Yo, why do you need comforting? Like, you know, you up right now, kind of. Um but just that situation and just kinda Zorndike's philosophy being proven wrong and everything. It was interesting. You know, it was definitely one of those OVAs that fit in the time. And I feel like for what it was, it was really good, um, personally, for what it was. I don't know if I would, like, put it on, like, my list of anything anytime soon. But it was definitely one I enjoyed watching. You know, two hours of it took up my interest.
0: Yeah. I appreciate Gonzo's attempt at doing 3D, like, hardcore. It didn't really hit. It was still in the infant stages of really applying it to a big project, but it wasn't super gross like it could have been. So, other than that, all of the two D animation was absolutely gorgeous and uh, incredibly well animated. Yeah. So,
1: no, uh, it was it was a fun time. I, I messed with it. So, um. what you say that? This did anything that you weren't expecting
0: you know you you touched on it earlier. I don't think this did anything that I wasn't expecting, but because we have such a knowledge and a background about anime tropes and to be at least 20 years off of the publication of this like there's been theres there's been so much time for things to do the same thing. so this didn't do anything crown breaking for me or something I've never seen before but chronologically it may have been the first I've seen of this type so that was interesting for me to see like oh I haven't seen underwater you know post apocalypse before in in the timeline of release that's cool kind of an archaeological vibe for me but nothing that humans haven't ever witnessed
1: yeah so Yeah, I'm in the same boat, like you said. So I just, yeah. So I guess moving on to, like, the characters. How did you feel about the character? You know, I feel like we also kind of touched on those.
0: They were all right. You know, we didn't have much time for them to feel sad or down on camera. But um, I guess that's positive because we spend more time with them acting. We don't have time to get bored of them. Either they're not on screen, or they are doing something to further the plot and further their own motivations. And their motivations are fairly simple, right? We, you know, with our uh, our heroine um, Kino, she's this kind of bullheaded uh, military girl who's just trying to avenge her family. And by the end of it, she's fallen in love with. Hayami and is trying to figure out what to do with the world. She now lives in. She doesn't kill, um, uh, the big bad, uh, Zorndyke because Hayami like, Hey, this is not your job. Go contact base. And I think that was a fine enough arc for her. Yeah. And in the same way with Hayami, it was, um, it was nice to see him come out of, of, uh, Retirement or come out of of exile and get back to work, and we get to witness this progression of him going from inaction to action. But you know, nothing, nothing super crazy inspiring. Yeah. How about you? How did you feel about
1: the characters? Um, I agree for the most part. You know, we got, um, like I guess say we got, um, Kino, who's basically you know her reason for doing it and her understanding like her place in it all we got tetsu um by being the character who kind of like his kindness is kind of repaid he lets muto free and then she again helps him like with the whole fish thing that was cute like you said we didn't see a lot um of like character growth and stuff like that because we only had a short time with him we did see that yeah like aquaphobia and he still hadn't like overcame it but he was able to um it really hit me when Muto got like kind of beat and snubbed by her like people and stuff um and like it was weird cause we kinda were implied that she was in love like with Tetsu but at the end her choosing Berg was kinda like okay but like made sense I guess cause she went to go be with her people I, I don't know that was that was the moment where I was like, yo, what is happening? But, <laughs> like, <laughs> she's adorable, so I guess that's okay. And, yeah, I just, the characters were interesting. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, you know. It was kind of cut and dry. It was only four episodes at 30 minutes, so it wasn't really a lot that we could experience. But what we did experience, I think everybody was fine, you know. Yeah. You know,
0: I think it was it was well-paced for for the time it had. Yeah. So overall, rounding us out, Blue Submarine number six. How do you feel about it?
1: Uh, Interesting time. Uh, I feel like it was fine. It was something that I feel like I'm cool. I can say I watched. It makes me feel like I'm in a niche category now. But I don't feel like it's anything crazy, you know? I feel like it was kind of like the vein of, like, Bubble or, like, Captain Harlock, something... I could say, you know, alright, I've ex- I've experienced it. I've definitely seen better sci fi um anime, which I mean you know that as well. Not that this is bad or anything. I'm just saying like, you know, um there's no ghost in show. It's kinda I feel like <laughs> I kinda wanted more from it. Granted, I compared it to one of the goats of all time, so I guess that's on me. But um I kinda wanted this, more from it. But this gives me eureka seven vibes i knew you were gonna say that did you i don't know how but i knew it i was like you know water i
0: that's that's one one show that really relates to this one in a in a in a way uh plot wise and you know i think that uh for being source material from a, a 1967 manga that was then redone later, to then get an OVA, I think that this is a an okay show, but it personally is really inspiring that you can get stuff across the finish line and have it be like respected later on down the line. Um, In time, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to see the return tomorrow. It can be, I don't know, 40, 38 years from the release of your original art to get like this kind of treatment. Yeah. So that's kind of inspiring to me. But the the show overall, it was okay. So I agree. It was okay. (sighs) To see, to listen to a more okay stuff, (laughs) catch us here at your typical shonen protagonist and all your podcatchers we're talking Spotify, iTunes, Amazon podcast at your typical shonen protagonist
1: Uh, Kai you have stuff too yeah you can find me at static dreads over on twitter with a Z um, where I'm tweeting about stuff and anime and things and just have a good time and of course the other product at content breaker on all
0: your podcatchers or youtube twitter instagram as well at Content Breaker. We'll catch y'all next week for more. Your typical Shona protagonist.